This is the Canola Watch Podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. Welcome to Episode 5 in our Farmer Series. Joel Bokenfor farms with his family near Morinville, Alberta. He is also a business advisor with Farm Credit Canada. We talk about what he brings to the farm and how he applies his succession planning skills to the operation. Here we go. Yeah, so we're a century farm uh, close to Morinville, Alberta, a place that um, uh, my dad, my uncle, my aunt were raised. Uh, my grandma um, kind of continued on from from there. And um, yeah, they've grown in the area, lots of family close by. Um, yeah, and largely been expanded by my dad and my uncle as they've kind of built their business. And um, yeah, we grow hard red spring, uh, CPS wheats, um, canola, obviously, yellow peas, barley what is your role on the farm um so i'd say uh, you know these days uh, a business partner um help market grain look at financials operate uh, all of our equipment so i don't know that we have defined roles we each kind of take turns doing things at different times but there's definitely things we're better at and um than others technology generally falls in my hands um agronomic decisions and things like that there's still a lot of that uh old farmer intuition in terms of marketing decision making and stuff that uh i'd say a lot of those things it's uh uh right those are a little bit more led by my dad and my uncle but things that we kind of work as a as a team on you, you said technology is your thing what are what are some of the ideas that you've brought to the table that your father and your uncle have given serious consideration whether it's improving guidance systems or field mapping or things like that that um, can aid in decision making I would say so um, things as as simple as um, you know the wires are disconnected in the display unit or in the monitors um, right that doesn't have to be a call we can uh, right we can rewire it and uh, figure things out field mapping working with our agronomists on that for decision making right that um, right I will I always give them credit. There's still that old farmer intuition of, um, you know, maybe it didn't change anything they would do in their mind, right? That they they kind of intrinsically knew it, but it uh, helped me understand the problem. Do you use the maps um, for prescriptions, or is it more just a, little, a manual application? I would say manual currently, but it's something that we are uh, uh, probably this year have adapted to do a little bit more in that area. So um, something we've pushed to do that. Um, Again, we've done a little bit more manually in the past, but now, um, yeah, we'll be using it, I guess, going forward. We upgraded some equipment this year to be able to do that. It sounds like yeah. you've got that tech background uh, and can can help do some of this stuff on your own. Like for a farm that doesn't have someone like you who is really familiar with it, but still wants to at least explore the idea of prescription maps, what would you recommend? Uh, what's step one yeah it's um yeah right i was um look at education right and as number one so trying to find resources or people nearby um uh, we have close relationship with our retail outlets so um uh, i would say they've been they've been good advisors uh, uh from that standpoint um in terms of what they're able to do with their capacity and kind of um get some of that adoption up, I would say number one would be kind of examining it, uh, trying to see what it 
could do for your farm. I would say uh, why I was interested was a lot of it was just education, trying to get better um, for my own agronomy skill set, I guess. Um, so I was able to do that and it was kind of a fun interactive way to kind of keep on top of it a little bit better for myself. Um, I would say looking at the decision is probably the, trying to understand the decision you're trying to change or you're trying to make out of that um, became a driver for us to adopt and to use some things. So um, whether it was worth an investment into technology or into some of those pieces, we really looked at what's the key decision we might be trying to what, what's change the or need? What's the need and how yeah. does this help fix that need and, and ultimately increase your farm profitability? Do your father and uncle appreciate what you're bringing to the farm or is it, oh, here comes Joel, <laughs> yeah, yeah. here comes Joel again with another idea? They're open-minded to it, right? I think they that's where that decision point to invest in technology, probably that idea comes from, right? Is Does it actually change what we're going to do tomorrow? Let's talk about your off-farm job. What is it? For most of my career, I've kind of worked in a mix of kind of policy roles and then uh, farm management roles. So primarily I've worked with um, farms in the area of succession planning. So um, got an opportunity early in my career to work with a, a gentleman named Merle Good that um, kind of set me on this path to, yeah, to help keep working with farms in this uh, farm transition area. So I uh, work with Farm Credit Canada and um, um, yeah, I get to work with any family and kind of try to be a bit of a sounding board on what they might want to get accomplished as a family, as a business, um, as owners. Yeah, at this point, I've been lucky to chat with hundreds, if not thousands of, of uh, farms about, um, you know, from a higher level, what they're trying to get accomplished. So are there any trends or common issues that show up in these succession planning discussions I'm, obviously i'm not going to ask you to get into all the detail because that's many podcasts but yeah. but what is there is there one or two tips you might have in terms of your experience some of the big trends right is a little bit of um you know number one i guess is a lack of process a little bit so i'm a, a big believer in um good process gets you to where you want to go a little bit that um you can't you can't always control how everybody else shows up in as a family, but if you can control the process, how you're going to act, what you're going to commit to in it, um, generally, I would say that is what what you're trying to get accomplished. Just to say process doesn't mean much to right. to the average listener. So what what would be step one in the process? Like find find an advisor to to walk it, you through this. Yeah, it might be find an advisor, right? I would say if we're not sure what we're going to do, right, that means we've got to get uh, get educated, right? So there's a ton of resources out there. Sometimes those can be overwhelming. So trying to find those, trying to find an advisor, um, starting to think about your process as a family a little bit. How do you how do you build shared goals together? How do you talk about tough issues together? Um, how do you stay consistent that that is is kind of what it boils down to so that um uh, right that people don't get feel left out or excluded from from things and um uh, they can be simple or i've seen incredibly complex ones it's kind of 
what's going to work for you as a family. So yeah, I like the the point on advisors, um, collecting information, um, um, and trying to determine yeah how you're how you're going to keep meeting as a family and and discussing those things. So what happens if you don't plan for succession? The odd time, it's perfectly fine. But uh, got the benefit of working with people. Um, at different stages all the way throughout. So I've gotten to meet them, you know, when they're 65, 70, and they're maybe just getting the farm now and there's been no plan. And it's uh, um, right almost all the time. It's caused a pretty big rift in the family. Um, people make different decisions when parents are 90 and they're just transferring the farm, right? They're going to make a different choice. You remember those um, uh, Prince Charles memes that came out when yeah. the Queen finally died and at and yeah. Charles in his mid seventies finally got to take over, and there was yeah. there was all those memes about the relationship or the how that related to farm succession planning. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and that happens, right? So it's something that like I always remember, um, right? It just it can really hurt set a business back, or it can really hurt a family too. So it's something that um, that's where right that push for I know process is a is a loose word that gets used a lot or a cliche word, but um, that's where. Um, you're kind of trying to get to points where you can make decisions together and, and move move things forward and there's a thousand ways to do that but yeah but the the, the process about involving all members of the family even the non-farming and just say okay what yeah. this is what we're thinking what do you think of this and what are your goals and do you really want to yeah. be working for me the father until you're 70 and then finally take over the farm anyway <laughs> so what, the exactly, last yeah. thing i want to ask about this joel is you know how some carpenters their house is the the last house that they ever work on. How is it on your farm? Are you pushing the conversation fairly ag ag aggressively? Is not the right word, but proactively. Yeah, I would say it started proactively, right? I would say not. Um, never wanted to be seen, right? I mean, they, those that 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 old adage, those that uh, teach can't do, right? So it is something that um, I think it levers itself into to both, right? That I always share with people. Um, you know, it's easy to talk about with other people, right? But then when you do bring it back to your own, your own things, right? Um, uh, right. Largely, you have good relationships, but you know, if there's something you're holding in that, uh, right. How do I say this, uh, without, you know, making sure it lands, I'd say, um, right. There are, they are really difficult, I think, for families when they're going through that or trying to display those things. So I would say we had good process and that's why I, you know, as a trend, I always come back to, well, you know, what, did make the difference was us starting to get to really formalize what we were doing and take it serious, be intentional about it. Joel, what are your goals for the farm? Prioritization is probably a is a big goal, right? When you're working off farm, when you're doing both, um, education and learning has been a big goal all the way through. So uh, my number one piece there to keep growing into was, you know, enhancing my agronomy skill set. Um, um, learning from, uh, you know, that uh, farmer intuition that exists in the senior gen a little bit, right? Trying to adopt, you know, what the things that they've taken on has been a big goal and um, building equity is a goal. So I do have some firm goals around, um, yeah, where I'd like to be from an equity standpoint um, and building that. A big goal that, right, has probably happened recently has been uh, and as I call it, that partner, right, advancing more formally into a formal ownership process. So that's where, um, right, in the last few years, that's something we've transitioned into. Um, 
uh, fairly substantially. So continuing to make progress on that. Um, what is what do you mean by formal ownership? Previously, we were probably more in a model where we farmed somewhat um, independently, but together, right? So we had land that uh, each of us farmed individually um, through our own companies or things like that. But uh, we decided um, on a process that we would kind of uh, go through something that would um, allow us to farm in one entity together um, uh, and farm kind of everything together. So formal ownership, I guess I kind of look at as a path to um, right working your way into equity to building equity and kind of eventual uh, right full ownership of the company and um, um, and a path to um, right kind of define what our business relationship was going to be as we go forward. you have crops that are consistently more profitable than others? And if so, which which crops are the most profitable for you? Yeah, um, so for us, uh, canola has been, um, especially the last couple of years, um, has been the big driver around profitability. Um, and all lots of them, you know, we've had good years. Um, and our hard-bred wheat still seems to be um, like we still seem to get fairly strong yields relative like uh relative to cps so hard red still um, when you think of decisions you've made over the past few years to improve canola profitability is there anything that stands out in your mind as as a as a key change that has improved results yeah i'd say on both sides right i would say probably marketing decisions in terms of um, uh, uh, being a little more aggressive forward contracting at the right time. Um, not to go on a tangent, but I remember sitting with a, uh, right, this was one of those work ones, was sitting with a, a gentleman uh, and he was taught, we were talking about prices and he held everything and it was that magical day of uh, right, $27 canola and he said, well, I'm going to make the call, this is good enough, sell everything. And I thought, why? I remember sitting there thinking, you know, that is why am I still, um, what am I waiting for, right? Um, and so I'd say uh, we've made some, I would say that has helped um, being a little more more aggressive and and uh, realizing we farm in a reasonably consistent area um, that we can take some risks on that side. And then, um, uh, yeah, some of the prescription and managing inputs and realizing um, Right, the volatility that's been there on the input side the last few years, especially. So is it about pricing inputs at the right time or making decisions yeah. about, you know what, that we've we've been spending this amount on this input for a lot of years, it's not showing an, an ROI, or is it also this is an input we haven't been using, but right. from what I've learned, there's an ROI for this. Let's start doing that. Can you think yeah. of any specifics that you've done? Yeah, so I would say pricing is probably better where we focus. So there's definitely yeah. um, um, there's definitely varieties. So varieties we we evaluate varieties we grow. Um, uh, you know, year to year we don't stick with one variety of canola. We'll grow. Um, yeah, we often will right, we'll grow multiple varieties and sort of see what performs better. We have our preferences 
but uh, uh, I would say we still like to keep that mix of swapping between products as well for um, right for club root risk and things like that too. So we'll swap between products quite a bit. I would say the biggest benefit the last few years has been has been on on those business decisions of pre-pricing on um, marketing um, the last few years. That's it's been quite a roller coaster. So this year, which maybe made a few different decisions, but um, yeah, but uh, it's helped the, the few years before that. But. Are you talking about pre pre-purchasing nitrogen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So nine years and ten fall purchases the right way to go, and sometimes yeah. like this year, spring might have been better, but I mean, you got to play the odds, right? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Is there anything else in terms of boosting canola productivity or profitabil- profitability? Oh, we could talk about productivity and profitability uh, that we didn't talk about. There's certain field management practices that we adhere to. Um, right, We tend to grow a lot of clubber resistant varieties and things. So we're, we scrape drills, we pressure wash equipment. We are fairly careful from that standpoint. Um, it's... Um, something we try to actively manage and stay in front of as best we can. Um, and that is a big reason for growing different varieties too. Yeah, if we can improve pH, if we can improve different pieces there would be nice to see too, so. Have you done anything liming wise to boost your pH and, and help fight club root that way? Yeah, we've, um, um, and I would say we've definitely, uh, like we have, some old fields that uh, we rent that were fully limed and things like that. Um, and we still see, like this was years ago and we still see, uh, right? I still think you could make a case that there's benefits um, that show up in the soil. And I'd say the fields that we have had lime in, that we've put lime into in the past, there's still that trail benefit that's yeah showing up, um, right? 10 years later, again, that's a hard thing to prove, but we do see it in our, in the city of the soil and, and, um, I think there's some tangible benefit still in the crops that are growing. Okay, we're going to go on to this Jay's envelope of inquiries. Now I'm going to pull <laughs> a, a random question here. What book, movie, or song would you recommend for me? The one I, the new book I just started. It. Um, um, I haven't uh, I haven't gotten super far into it yet, uh, but it was uh, uh, I'm gonna forget the author, but author, but uh, was how will you measure your life? A little bit. It was a um, um, right. So again, right. A, uh, we talked about off farm work, but I was I always get into these philosophical conversations with farms as they're trying to evaluate, you know, what um, right their life's work and things like that. So it's something that. Uh, has some interesting themes i think that i, I try to borrow uh, try to share you know what's uh what's uh truly important as you're looking back over your your career and things and and you know where what those things are so i'd and it's interesting because i think you everyone wants to achieve things in life and and you don't want but you don't want to be at the end of your life and, and full of regret so yeah. is it a bit of a self-help in terms of, you know what, it's okay if you don't reach all of your goals or, <laughs> or is it yeah. more, how, how, what is the yeah. premise? Yeah, that is the driver, right? So it's a little bit about, um, right, I don't know, there's all that uh, 
hustle culture these days or whatever or but uh, I was fine I'm you know you I meet with uh, uh, a lot of people at different places that they they uh, I think oh if I'd made that decision right and it's like well you you know you still made a you made a good decision right you've got uh, I don't know you have two kids that are fully educated and they're right they're doing their thing I picked it up I thought it's a good book to write maybe there's some wisdom I can steal there and play, or play armchair psychologist a little bit that um, um, there, but it is that premise of, uh, yeah, what, uh, how do you define what those goals are that you want to focus on, what's truly important? Um, you know, you don't uh, always have to look over the fence at what other people are doing, right? You can kind of define those metrics for yourself. And I think that's something that, um, uh, yeah, try to help uh, people figure out a little bit when they're they're planning or making these big decisions. Full disclosure, right? I, you're, I'm always looking for resources, and I go, oh, "That's a good idea. I should, uh, I should liberate that idea from a book, right, or something." So it, um, um, uh, try to, right, try to find good places to borrow ideas from, and then, um, yeah, like you said, you get the gist in the front, and it's a good, uh, uh, just a good reminder, I think, about what's what's uh, the important things to keep looking for too. So. Well, that's why the person wrote the book is so that you, you <laughs> yeah. Joel, could have something to talk about with your exactly your farm, yeah. your farm succession clients well it was great yeah. talking with you joel thank you so much yeah no i appreciate it thanks for the invite joel bolkin farms at morinville alberta and as a business advisor with farm credit canada the book he's reading is how will you measure your life a new york times bestseller by clayton m christensen Joel Bolkenfor says you can find tons of resources for succession planning, but you might start with an FCC video event series called Your Path to Farm Transition. In episode one, Joel partners with Anessa Good to deliver a presentation called Is Your Farm Transition Ready? How to Plan and Prepare. Find the video at fcc-fac.ca or on the Farm Credit Canada YouTube channel. Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies-based canola grower organizations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you are not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. Thank you very much for listening.